Hey, y'all. I'm Rima Khres, and welcome to This is Uncomfortable, a podcast from Marketplace about life and how money messes with it. So you may have heard of this podcast, Call Your Girlfriend. It is hosted by real-life, long-distance besties, Aminatu So and Anne Friedman. And they hash out all kinds of stuff about pop culture, politics, and friendship. And recently, they did this episode called So Many Money Feelings, and they invited me on to chat with their producer, Gina Delvac. Listeners called in with their tricky questions about investments and navigating debt and partnerships and lots of other great stuff. And so this week, we wanted to play part of that episode from Call Your Girlfriend, where I sat down with Gina and tried my very best to answer some questions. Rima Crace, thanks so much for being on Call Your Girlfriend. Thanks, Gina. How's Excited to be going? here. I'm good. Good, good. Yeah. We're going to talk about money. Yes, I'm excited. Yes. Let's talk about it. This first voicemail is from Rachel in New York. Like many of my friends, I grew up with divorced parents, and finances played a very large role in their divorce. Now that I'm older, I have no idea what roles money should and shouldn't play in a healthy relationship with another person. So I'd love to know how you think financial matters can be navigated between partners as romantic relationships become more serious. Thank you so much. Bye. Ooh, okay. Rachel, this is a big question. It's a big question. <laughs> well, it's interesting she said that her parents got divorced over money. Um, like money is actually like the number one reason for divorces, which is wild when I first heard that stat. And it's just a big source of tension in relationships in general. This is something I think a lot of people are trying to figure out, like how to bring up money in relationships, something I've been struggling with, too. And so I think it depends on like which stage of the relationship you're in, right? Like if you're dating, um, maybe the conversation is more in line of like, is it within your budget to go out for dinner? Who's going to split the check when we go out or how are we going to split it? But if you're in a more serious relationship, I think the conversation shifts a little bit. I think the number one thing is just to be like honest and open and like approach conversations without judgment. You know, don't go to your partner and be like, how much do you have in debt? Why are you in debt? No two people in any relationship are going to agree on everything. And especially when it comes to money, it all comes down to compromises and just like making financial decisions together. And I think if you're overwhelmed by it, one way to approach the conversation is to think about it in terms of goals. Like that's a more positive way to frame it. And then I think like once you sit down, like I don't think you should be afraid to share the details. Like how much do you make? How much debt do you have? How much do you have in savings? What's your credit score? And also just like talk about your money beliefs. Like I think that's something that I'm still trying to figure out too. Um, Like how do you feel about money? Like how did money come up for you and your family? Did your parents talk with you about it? What's your relationship? Because I think once you understand your own relationship. I mean, it's almost like, you know how they say in a, in a relationship, like, you should know yourself before you get in a relationship, you know, mm-hmm. that cliche. Yeah. Um, the RuPaul. Yeah. If you don't love yourself, how the hell are you going to love anyone else? <laughs> like, right? okay, yeah. yeah. But um, I, there you know, might be some truth in it when it comes to money. Like, I think you need to understand what your sort of financial goals are. Like, what are, what are your deal breakers? What are you willing to compromise on? And I think once you have a healthier relationship with money, it'll be easier to have that conversation with someone. Totally. People have different styles around Mm. how they think about their money, how they spend it, how they want to allocate their budgets. And this is an area where you can potentially grow together. Mm. So it's both like having your own autonomy, because I think it is very important for women in particular to have like our own path to financial security. Mm -hmm. You know, part of what Rima is alluding to about that money can cause people to break up. It can also cause people to stay in relationships Mm -hmm. that don't serve them. So Mm -hmm. I think asking those 
ask questions that are kind of tough, but in a sensitive way. And also, like, as a child of divorce, I also want to chime in and say, too, that, like, you may be used to navigating different frames from each of your family environments, right? I don't know if you spend time equally with each of your parents, but when families do change over money, it becomes much more starkly clear who has what beliefs. Mm. And like, it may take some time to disentangle like what you were taught from what you want for yourself. But on the other hand, you kind of have a cheat sheet to see that everybody does this differently. And that's like a superpower that you can bring into your relationships. Being a child of divorce isn't only a liability. That's such a great point. Yeah, I think it's important to make the decisions together. um, So you don't feel like you know, it creates an unequal like power dynamic or, you know, what's going on. Um, and like having the conversation of like, if it is serious, do you want to have a joint account or are you can have separate accounts? Should there be like a designated CFO of the family um, or of the partnership? Whatever, like makes sense for you all to reduce the potential for arguments. This next question comes from Lucia in Massachusetts. Hi there. Uh, my question is about student debt and relationships. I'm so lucky I don't have student debt anymore. It's all paid off. Um, However, my partner has a lot of student debt and they feel a lot of anxiety and sadness. And neither of us have very much knowledge about, I think, how to deal with the extent of this debt. Neither of our families are super equipped to um, help out with this information. So I think pointing me or us into the direction of like resources Um, to help mitigate debt would be very helpful. So her story is, uh, that's super common, right? Like being in a relationship where one person has debt and the other doesn't. Um, I've talked with a lot of couples who are in similar scenarios. And it sounds like you two are pretty committed. But I do think it's important before you decide how to tackle on the debt that you know that you're on board, too. I think you have to be honest with yourself and ask yourself, is the debt something that you're like emotionally and financially maybe even willing to take on? In terms of practical tips, it makes like, first of all, you just need to come up with a plan, right? Like it's going to be hard to make any progress if you don't have like a roadmap. Without a roadmap, it'll make it easier to maybe say yes to the dinner or to go on a trip without really recognizing where you are in terms of your finances. So in order to make that plan, I think you should get it, you know, you all should get a good handling of the debt, right? Make a list of all the debt, the the interest rates, the minimum payment, get just like really understand how much you have. Um, And I think from there, track your spending, know what's going in and out. Like, it's something I think everyone really should do, um, including myself. We're like, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I think it'd be astonishing. You will surprise yourself, I think, if you go through and like really comb through your finances. And there are different ways to track that. Like, Mint is an app that a lot of people use. Um, I know a lot of people also use you need a budget.com. Yeah, there's like a thriving Reddit world. Around oh my God. Yeah. Budgeting. If you just type in Reddit and budgeting, and, the, and it's very organized too. These people are kinky for spreadsheets. They are. Yeah. Those, they definitely are. So um, if you are too, go check that out. Um, there are definitely like cheap ways to get access to budget spreadsheets instead of having to pay. But I do think it is good to just like make sense of your budget. And then there's also, when thinking about budgeting, there's like the 50 30 20 rule. Have you heard of that? No, what's that? Um, so 50% of your money goes to basic necessities to live. So like housing, electricity. And so 30% um, should go towards wants. So trips that you need to go on. Um, or dining out. Dining out. A new or, suit for work. Exactly. Yeah. And then 20% should go towards helping pay for debt and saving. 
And then there are a couple of ways to help pay down that debt. There's like a couple of methods. I don't know if you've heard of these, but it's like the snowball and the avalanche method. <laughs> so the avalanche method, you essentially list all of your debts. You put the one with the highest interest rate at top, and then you work off you work on paying off your debts with that goal in mind first. And then that way you have you're basically um, in the long term, you're paying less debt over time. Um, some people, I think this, some people call this the Dave Ramsey method. He's like obsessive yeah. about this. And the idea is that the thing that kills you is paying so much interest exactly. as it continues to balloon. So you sort of go in the highest interest to lowest. And this is really important too for people who have credit card debt. Mm-hmm. Um, student debt tends to have lower interest rates on average if you have government loans. Private loans are pretty different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then so that's the avalanche method. And then the snowball method Basically, you start with your lowest payment that you have to do. And that way, it's more of like a psychological win. So you're like, okay, got that done. And you're building momentum. And it makes it easier to tackle it on. And then also, you know, I've talked with people who've just like found more creative ways. Like I know that there's the envelope method um, where you essentially figure out what your allowance should be for the week. And then you get an envelope and you put that money in there. We know that like when you have to pay with cash, it's more painful. And you're just like more cognizant of it. And so like literally people just like, get rid of their credit cards if they can, like out of sight, out of mind. And so that is also one method if you just want to go use cash. Yeah. Um, And I feel like underneath everything you're saying is kind of back to the emotional piece of this that the listener raised, which is like, you have to face it. And that, that can be the hardest thing of all. And so these tactics and tools are nice ways to sort of like have a frame or almost have a game, like gamify Mm -hmm. it. Because unfortunately, again, like capitalism is a game and like we're just the ones stuck playing. But (laughs) in the meantime, how can you make the enormity a little bit smaller Mm -hmm. and chip away at one small piece at a time? For your partner, they may be having a hard time with sort of like the identity of being in debt Mm. and like you may not be able to guide them to some more positive vision of themselves, but ultimately that's going to be really important that their value as a human and what they can bring to society isn't just this number on a ledger. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's important, you know, if this is a serious committed relationship that you signal to them that like you're in it, right? Like you're helping them and you can decide between the two of you if that means like financially too, but at least emotionally, um, there's no judgment there. It sounds like you're in a committed relationship, but if you're not and it's something that is weighing on you, like I think it's important to really be honest with yourself too and figure out like what role can you play in this relationship and is this something that you are able to manage with them? Totally. I was going to say in the same way that you need to have kind of a plan or a system or a more bounded way of approaching the financial aspect of this, you may also need some boundaries about the anxiety, the stress that this is causing your partner. They're going to need to find some outlets that are not dumping on you. And if this is such the totalizing emotion of your relationship, you might consider whether that's okay for you. You'll figure out what's right for you. One thing I would say is if they're really struggling and hitting a place of anxiety or depression, things that you should not cut out are things like therapy if it's possible. There are other episodes where we've talked about tools for finding low-cost therapy. You can use some of the apps. You can go to students who are working in this field who are getting their training. Having people to talk to and not having this be, as I said before, kind of like 
like the only subject of your relationship, even though it feels so totalizing, is going to be really important for having kind of the emotional fortitude to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Good luck, listener. Yeah, good luck. Coming up after the break, we get into investing and why it feels so scary. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. All right, y'all, we've got a couple more great questions from Call Your Girlfriend listeners, so let's get into it. Hi, Anne, Amina, and Gina. It's Carrie calling from Minneapolis. Two things that I have questions about constantly is how much money to save versus invest. If you have a 401 through your work, should you also get a Roth IRA or should you allocate that money towards a different type of diversified investment portfolio. Yeah, these are all very good and important questions that I've been trying to figure out too. So the thing is, we're really bad at saving. Like, uh, There are studies that show almost half of Americans don't have $400 saved up for an emergency fund, which is very real, right? Just to put this into perspective, that it is very hard to do these things. Um, And if you haven't yet, there's time to work on this. There is time, exactly. Like, Don't feel overwhelmed by it. So when it comes to savings, I think it's important to look at like what, like I said, is reasonable for you. So financial experts will often recommend people setting aside enough money to cover three to six months worth of expenses as an emergency fund if you, you know, get laid off or have an unexpected medical issue. So if you can do the minimum, that's great. If you can do six to nine months, that's great. I think the next step after that, you know, if you do have an employer that does set up a 401k for you, that's great. And you should be able, you should do that. And I think an important thing to keep in mind is to max out the matching contribution if you can. Like, this is something that I've only learned recently and is so important. Like, that's just free money. Like, you're literally leaving money on the table if you don't do that. Match each dollar if you can. Um, And then I think after that, if you feel like you still do have savings, which it does sound like you do, what makes most sense is to consider a Roth IRA. For people who don't know what a Roth IRA is, because I definitely didn't until like last year, it's a retirement account um, that you've already paid taxes on. So it's generally good for people earlier in their careers if they think they're going to make more money in life because your money is going to keep growing and and you've already paid a lower tax rate on it if you do it now. I talked with someone actually who referred to it as like an emergency fund on steroids because unlike other retirement accounts, it's a place where you can actually pull money from if you really need to. Like you don't want to, but if you need to, you can. And compared to a 401k or other retirement accounts where there are big tax penalties for doing that, like you can lose 50% of the value if you have to pull it out early. Yeah, exactly. So it makes sense to consider a Roth IRA if you can. 
And then if you've got some left over, there's lots of different apps that can help you with investing. Some people like to go and buy their own Vanguard funds. Some people work with financial advisor. There's products like Robinhood that do the automated investing. So if you're in the happy camp of having too much money that you are looking to save, um, there's lots of fun avenues for you to explore. And I think like, you know, personally, this question really resonated for me because I do think oftentimes women, myself included, feel like they can't invest or they don't know how to invest and it just feels overwhelming. I saw this study the other day that basically said, growing up, girls are more likely to be taught how to save, whereas boys are more likely to taught how to invest. There was this survey that I saw, actually, I kind of want to pull it up because I thought it was really interesting. So it said that Girls were more likely to be taught fiscal restraint growing up, while boys were more likely to be taught about building wealth. So, for example, 61% of boys got a lesson from their parents on credit scores by the time they reached high school, compared to 46% of girls. Boys were also more likely to be taught how to pay taxes, um, more likely to be taught bank accounts, and more likely to be taught credit cards and get an education on investing. So, like, early on, there's, like, this gap of knowledge that's happening. You know, as we grow up, we are used to seeing images and portrayals in media and in our own lives of women being incapable of making financial decisions. Mm. And so it just feeds into our own perceptions of our ability. And something else that was interesting, um, it's just like a good point to make, is that like the gender pay gap exists, right? Right. Like the average woman earns like 80% of the average man. Um, and that's the average white woman and white man, right? Exactly. And it goes exponentially, exactly. right? Like Latinas are the lowest paid of any category. Mm-hmm. And so... That obviously affects how much you're going to also invest and how much you're going to have for retirement and um, in savings. And so, like, we see that gap perpetuate even in, in that regard, too. So all to say that if, like this listener, you do have some cash to invest, get it. Get yeah, rich. Yeah, get that money. Get and it. And teach, teach all of your friends. Yes. <laughs> um, including me. Yeah. And me. <laughs> and Carrie from Minneapolis had another question that we were also interested in. So let's listen to that. In terms of how money affects my relationship, me and my partner both um, really like to take each other out on dates, split costs. We've discussed 50-50, but I'm really unsure how to approach that when we both earn different amounts. She's in school right now, has some loans, has a different type of job than me, and I never know how to approach a conversation when who pays for what and when, and should it be 50-50 or more like a percentage of your income. So. Anyway, thanks so much for the work you guys do. See you on the internet. Bye. Okay, first of all, I think it's very cute that you and your partner like to take each other on dates. <laughs> yeah. Quel romantique. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I mean, I totally get that question. I mean, I think um, there are a lot of people who are in that predicament, right? I have a lot of friends who um, one person is making a lot of money and the other person isn't. Or in your case, one person's making money and the other person's in debt. Um, and I think to some degree, it's not so much a personal finance question as it as much as it is like a relationship question, right? Like you can ask so many couples and they'll have different ways of handling it. Many people like doing 50-50. Other people are very adamant about doing a percentage of your income. So I would definitely suggest talk with your partner about it. And if you do foresee like a serious relationship, you want to make sure that there isn't any resentment that builds or that any arrangement doesn't end up impacting the power dynamic in a way that feels unfair to her. 
It's kind of not unlike different couples' bedroom activities, right? Like mm. what's great for someone else might be gross to you, but True. It's, it's hard to know. <laughs> and it kind of takes it takes that navigation together. I also think it's worth keeping in mind, like I think this is a nice conversation to raise with your partner and leave some room for the fact that for her, there may be something that's a nice gesture to also be able to take you out because people do have such emotional attachments to money. Mm-hmm. And I think the kind of ritual or like the gift giving quality or like ways of expressing generosity can be very deeply felt as like markers of identity. Mm -hmm. Maybe figure something out where, okay, if we're going to go out, you know, three times this month, she pays for one of them. Or, you know, you cover something that's more expensive. But I love what Rima said about equity versus equality, Mm -hmm. right? That splitting things 50-50 sounds like it's like, yeah, there's equality. It's same, same, but it may not be sort of just so there's lots of different ways to do it, and good luck uh, yeah, having good luck. a cool combo with your partner about this. All right, that's all for this week's episode. If you want to hear the rest of the listener questions, you can check out Call Your Girlfriend's So Many Money Feelings episode. In that same episode, Aminatu and Anne also share some really great insight about money and friendships. This is Uncomfortable is produced by me, Rima Hres, Haley Hirschman, and Peter Balanon-Rosen. Special thanks this week to the whole Call Your Girlfriend team, Aminatu So, Anne Friedman, and Gina Delvac. Megan Dietrich is our senior producer. Jujostad is our audio engineer. Tony Wagner is our digital producer. Luna Danish is our intern. Satara Nieves is the executive director of On Demand. And Deborah Clark is the senior vice president and general manager of Marketplace. And our theme music is by Wonderly. All right. Catch y'all next week. John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts.